Hey, you know what's one of my favorite things about, about heaven, uh, the, the heaven that we're going to ultimately be in? Um, <clears throat> I don't think it's a heaven that's right now, although if you died and went to heaven, I don't think you'd be disappointed there because the main thing is that God's going to be there, but everything points to what Christ did. And uh, how many of y'all know that one day there's going to be pearly gates in heaven? And do you understand these pearly gates they said are made with like one oyster or one pearl, right? Okay, I don't have, it had to be one oyster too. And I don't know if at the marriage supper lamb or whenever we're going to have oyster stew or all kinds of raw, shuck them and suck them parties in heaven. I don't really know, but, but one oyster. And, and so every time we look at these pearls that are 1,500 miles high, they're going to remind us about a pearl. Gary, how's a pearl get started, man? What happens in that oyster? A grain of sand. How many of y'all had a grain of sand in your eye? You ever have a grain of sand? And you're like, oh, dude, I mean, it total focus. It's an irritation, right? And, and then that pearl or that oyster takes and secretes something over that sand and smooths it out and smooths it out until it becomes something beautiful. And what those pearly gates, every direction that we look in heaven, we're going to see these 1,500 mile high pearl gates that are going to remind us that Christ took our irritation called sin and made him into something beautiful. Everywhere we look, we're going to see Christ. And, and so if he did all of that for us, let me ask you a question. Does he expect anything back from us? It, well, not, we can't pay for it, but he gave, he gave us eternal life. He left us here for a purpose. So is he cool with you just sitting around twiddling your thumbs between the time you're born again and the time he brings you home? No. What does he want from you while you're here? Yeah. He wants you to love him and worship him and represent the kingdom. We have a job. Otherwise, we'd have a job if it was just for him to meet our needs and make us happy. Dude, couldn't he have done that in heaven? You know? And by the way, when we're born again as a new creation, as an ambassador... The only way we can ever be happy is by doing what he's created us to do. And so the only way we're ever going to be satisfied is if we become that ambassador for him as we do what he wants us to do. And so you know that one day we are going to stand before him. Okay, and, and it talks about Christians standing before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, Christians, are we ever going to be judged by our sin uh, for our sins? No, because those were paid for eternally. When Christ died on the cross for us, when he gave us the desire and ability to surrender our life to him, his blood, how many of y'all know his blood covered your past sins? Okay, that's cool. We're like, yeah, he covered my past sins. How many of you know he's covered your present sins that you have right now? All right. Adam, you think there's going to be any future sins? Yeah, and did he cover your future sins? Or are those dependent on you? Oh, dude, hey, I'm sorry for that. Hey, I'm sorry. Is it dependent upon your confession? No. All of your past, present, and future sins are covered. So when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, man, what the judgment seat is, the Bema seat, the Bema seat, it is the, it is the reward place. If you look at the uh, uh, Olympians, so have you ever seen the Olympics where they have the place where they give the medals, right? Now, do they bring up the losers first and say, oh, yeah, this dude tripped and fell? And do they bring up all the flaws at the Bama Seat or what do they bring up? The winners. Yeah. Hey, surf contest. They have a little Bama Seat, right? Do they bring up all the kooks and everybody? No, they bring up the winners and they're like, yeah. And you get trophies for all of that. Now, the difference as a Christian is when we get brought up onto that Bama Seat, he doesn't bring up any of our fails, any of our past, because all of that has been covered. It's all totally been covered by him. What that is, is a place of reward. It's where he says, and it's not a reward, you know, me versus JJ versus, you know, uh, race versus Chris versus Roger. It's not, it's not a reward where, oh, you did better than Terry did. And Terry's like, well, I did better than Bob did. And I, you know, it's, that's not what it is. What it is, is anything that we have earned, anything that we have to give, that, that we get praised for we give all of that glory to who to him because he got it so if you would yeah there is going to be different levels because bottom line is what the bible does teach is that how we serve him now what we do with this life now is going to is going to translate how we can serve him later and we're going to see this in in the book of first peter today what you're going to see 
is that he is going to praise you for what you have done from the time you're born again to the time that he brings you home. He's going to praise you for this time. We have a hard time as Christians with that. You know why? Because prior to becoming a Christian, who do we compete with? Hey, who do we compete with all the time? Everyone else, right? It's like, I'm better than you. I'm better than you. I'm better than you. I mean, isn't that what life is about is competing? And then we become believers. And so as believers now, we still got that idea in the flesh, but it's not about so I can say I'm better than someone else. It's so I can say I'm better for who? For him. Let me ask you a question. According to scripture, what is the very thing that we want to hear from him at the end when he looks down at our life at the Bema seat? No matter. Well done, good and faithful servant. So here's the idea. It's not like there's going to be competition between us and heaven. It's not like, oh, well, he did this and she did this and, you know, and we can now look down on each other because everybody's going to be totally satisfied in heaven. We don't fully understand that. But here's what we do understand. And this Peter starts to bring to life today is this, that our motivation for living and serving and everything we do is for the purpose of one day hearing him say what, Rena? Well, good and faithful servant. One day, what's going to happen? We're going to see in Peter at the very end of this little two verse section that we're looking at today is we're going to see that when he comes back, he's going to come back and he's going to collect all the saints. He's going to collect Chris and Sabrina. And come here, Sabrina. I know you're like private and all this, but he's going to say, this is Sabrina. You know what she did at Amazon? And, 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 and Sabrina's going to say, oh, I, I didn't do any of that because of my own strength. Are you able to do any of this at Amazon living for him? Who gets the glory? So you know who he's really bragging on himself because he put it in Sabrina to fit, be victorious in an Amazon house. Does that not make sense? But yet, because we're Christians and we don't want to be competitive, I don't want to feel like I'm better than you or better than you. Or be it, it's not. Anything that we have to brag about the, to, the, that, is, that we can represent about, who gave it to us? He did. And so that's how he gets glory. And that's what he's going to do. He's going he's to be like, then Terry in a junkyard in Louisiana. This was a situation. And yes, he was victorious. And it's not. And say, yeah, and what were you doing, buddy? It was not. He's like, he's going to be streaming with tears saying it was only because of the glory of God that I was able to do that. When you gave up all those good things on that Tuesday, Tom told me even Sunday, you're like, yeah, you'd have been proud of me. And I'm saying, no, not me. God was proud of you one day, dude, because you did uh, this is for real. And I could pull it from every one of your lives because you did that. And you told me what your motivation was one day. God is going to come here, man, stand up. God is going to say, I know you're like, oh, dude, don't do this. He's going to say, Tom gave up set waves for me. How's that feel when God does that? Yeah, because if you love him, don't we want to please the one we love? Is that not what happens? We want to please the one we love. How many of you all love somebody? And say, last thing I want to do is please them. <laughs> no, in fact, that's the problem with the world. Who does the world love right now? Me. So who's the world trying to please? Me. And if you truly love somebody, it's about who? It's about them. And aren't you blown away when somebody spends their effort, their energy to love you and please you? It's like, whoa, this is so The world is... Wait, what do you want out of this? How many of y'all ever been loved and thought there was ulterior motives? You're waiting for the, them to kind of show their true color. You want, right? Like when my son used to call in college, all right, he'd go through this whole spiel. I'm like, what do you want? How much do you want? What trouble did you get? You know, whatever. Ashley and Emily never did that. Well, they must have done it with their mom, but my son, I knew when he called. <laughs> but yeah, we're not used to that. But the fact is, is that we live to please the one we love the most who do you love the most and again honestly sometimes we got to say it's us how many of y'all would say sometimes sometimes it's me anybody 
Sometimes it's me. But I do really love Jesus. If we would live, when Jesus lifts Tom's arm, he lifts Sabrina's arm, he lifts every one of your arms. He's like, look what my child did. Hey, are you proud when your children do something? They find, I mean, when they do something good. When they finally listened and they finally, yeah, it does depend. Yes, thank you for that. When they finally got it, it's like, yes. And so you're, you're bragging on your children because they listen to you. It's like, success, it's payday. They actually got it. That's kind of like Christ. He's stoked because you got it. And if we would live for that purpose, to please the one we, who love, that we love the most, who loves us the most. Man, do you think we would live for him a little more? We try to live as these secret agent little Christians, like, oh, I'm going to do this little secret Christian thing because I don't want anybody thinking I need the glory. I want to be a part of supernatural things so he gets the glory. Amen? Amen. Let's start living that way instead of kind of like secret agent Christians because one day... Peter says, when he comes back and he's revealed to the entire world, you know who's going to be revealed with him? Everybody say me, if you're a believer. Who's going to be revealed with him? So he's going to say, all right, all right. And I'm just picking Karen out, and it's not true, but all right, here's Karen. And Karen really didn't do nothing for me. <laughs> and here's Chrissy, you know. What's he going to say about you? And it's not that you're going to be feeling bad compared to Steve or Christy or Matt or whoever. It's not that. You're going to be totally stoked about being in heaven. But would, if you truly love him, and you know when you're really going to love him the most? is when you see him. That's what scripture says. When you see him and you see what he's actually done for you. Every time you see those pearly gates and realize he took your irritation and made it into something beautiful. Every time you see him, you'll be, oh. And you, I'm not, I don't know how it all works, but I know that you would, would have liked to have done more for him to brag about. Not for your sake, but for his. You see the difference? I think the world has ripped us off in an effort to be humble and not receive any glory. We kind of don't do anything to receive that glory when in fact God wants to do supernatural things through you. But he wants to get the glory for it. That was what Lucifer, Lucifer, the angel of light, the most beautiful angel, the head of the music ministry, all those things that's written about him in Isaiah. Man, he was supposed to take the glory and reflect it back to God. But he said, you know what? I want to be. He didn't say he wanted to be more than God. He said, I want to be like God. I just want a little bit for me. I'm going to keep a little of this for myself. He got kicked out of heaven and took a whole insurrection or a third of the angels with him in that. What God wants is he wants mirrors, man. You know, you go to a sunrise and you have a mirror and go. <laughs> it's like, how much of that? How much of that gets through the mirror onto me? None of it. It all goes back on everyone else. He wants you to be a mirror. But he wants one day, understand. One day you're going to stand at the Bema seat and he's going to say, Bob, Pastor Eddie, I had him stick a Brazilian pepper tree through his transmission cooler and out of love for him and God, you went to every junkyard you could find to get the part and you put it in. Yes. <laughs> I'm just saying anything we do for the motivation of love for him, he, it, it, it's not for our glory. He's excited in the same way you're excited when your kids do something. How many of y'all get tired of hearing people brag on their kids? Because <laughs> they're really bragging on themselves, right? It's like, oh, yeah, my kid's smarter than you. Guess where he got his jeans from, you know, Walmart? No, I'm just like, no, those jeans, you know. It, it's, but God, he's bragging on you because he gets the glory. And who's the only one worthy of any glory? God. So start living your life for his glory. That's what it means. Give him something to brag on. Salvation-wise, eternally, you are set. You're done. It's a done deal. But he left us here for a purpose. And the more glory you give him, the more opportunities he'll give you to give him glory. And one day, every one of us, regardless of what we did or didn't do, we're going to stand before him, not for punishment. That's he, Christ took that at the cross. We're going to stand for reward. And it's like, I don't really want to be there saying, well, I loved you so much, I didn't do anything for you. I was scared, like the parable of talents. 
I was scared. I knew you were a ruthless boss. Dude, I didn't, I didn't, I kept what you gave me. I didn't use it. I didn't, but here it is. It's right back again. I didn't do anything with it. And he said, what did he say? He said, that guy wasn't even saved. Go. Well, I, I, I invested it and I got a little bit. I invested and got a little more. And I invested and got a little more. Let me ask you a question. Out of the three guys that invested and got a return, which one did he praise? All three. Because everyone has different returns on your investment. Everyone's got different talents. Who's the best looking one out of here? Will you raise your hand? Who's the most talented one? Oh, who's the biggest liar here? No, I'm just joking. No. <laughs> Thank you for me. But, but literally, who's the most talented? Who's the best at this? Who's the best at this? Who's what? I mean, isn't, have you ever found your self-esteem and thinking you're the best at something and then all of a sudden you find somebody better than you? And then all of a sudden it's like, it's gone. Man, your self-esteem needs to be in the fact that you are a born-again believer, that, that God chose you and God loves you. That's what gives us worth in all of this, man. So live to please the one who you love the most. And by the way, we can twist that around and say the one you love most is the one you're going to live to please. And I think since we have a flesh nature and a spiritual nature, whichever one we feed is the one that's going to grow in our lives. And we can tell a lot about ourselves. It might not be a bad question. When you get in the mirror in the morning, who do I love the most? <laughs> mirror, mirror on the wall. <laughs> Who's the fairest of them all? And if you don't hear God, you got to change something. you got to fix it. Because it, you will live for the one that you love the most. Look at this. Uh, this is a verse kind of, this is a little extra because we never have enough, right? <laughs> this is a little extra. I've been thinking about this verse for, for months now. This is a motivating verse in my life right here when God showed me a different twist on it. And this is out of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And we preached on Hebrews a while ago. It says, but without faith, it is what? To please him. So without faith, you cannot please him. What is the only way that you can please him, Gary? Faith. All right, but it, and, and if Nikki, if you already know what you're going to do, you already have the solution, you already have the answer, does it take faith? No. So when God gives you a situation where you don't have the resources, you don't have the solution, you don't have the answer, what's it going to take? Faith. And when he gives you that situation, is it to beat you down? It's to give you an opportunity to please him. It says, without faith, it is impossible. It doesn't say it's really hard. <laughs> okay, well, I, I got it pretty much figured out, but if you come up, I got plan A, but if you come up with a pretty good plan B, we'll pick that God. That's not, that, that's not faith. You got no plan. He's it. How many of you, when the first time you, you, you hear of a situation in your life where you don't have the answer, you pray for God to take it away? And is it any wonder is it any wonder that we don't see supernatural things happen in our life? Because right away, oh, get out of here. Take it away. God, get, and God, instead of saying, God, will you give me the faith to do what you want me to do with this situation? Give me the faith. Without faith, it is impossible, not possible to please him. How many of y'all know we want to please the one we love? And how many of you know you love Christ? So when he brings those impossible situations, man, they're there giving you the situation to please him so you can give him glory. And look what it says, for he who comes to God, so you come to God, you, first of all, you got to believe that he is. And what that means is believe he is that he's who he says he is, that he can do anything. He's everywhere, you know, and he knows everything, that he's the expert at everything, and he's doing the situ this in your life so you can please him. So... He says, you've got to believe that he is who he is and that he is a rewarder. There's the word reward. He's a rewarder of those who what? And I picked this out of the New King James because I love the way it says that, who diligently seek him. What are some things that we diligently seek? You know, Terry, I know you like to shop online, right? I, I, well, when you're in hotel rooms and you're on all those things, you know, and you're staying out of trouble, honoring your wife by not going places with other guys, it, it's a thing that you do. Have you ever diligently sought things online? You're good at it. You, you diligently sought some steel scuba tanks for me. And, and dude, you're so diligent, you found them in a couple of days. And then you were so diligent, you made a trip up to Carolina somewhere, and in the process, got them. That's diligent, where you set your mind on something, and you don't stop until it happens. 
Would you say he's pretty diligent? I think he's very diligent, especially when it comes to online shopping. So if anybody needs any, no, he's not traveling as much as he used to travel. All right. But, but literally what, what, think about what seeking diligently seeking means for you. You know, I'm thinking about when we used to take those long trips on the interstate and all of a sudden my girls who, by the way, I need to feed before they're hungry (laughs) rather than when they're hungry and we're diligently seeking an exit of where everybody wants to eat and it's like they're on their phones like yeah diligently seeking what are things that you diligently seek and start comparing it to that we've used your cell phone when you lost it before you would diligently seek your cell phone if you left it in the shopping cart at Publix right and you're now at home trying to run back and get it and figure out where it's at but He says, man, those that diligently seek who? Dude, you diligently seek me. I'm going to, what's the R word? Reward. And you know what the reward is? The reward is he's going to give you the faith you need to please him, to get through that situation. And you're going to be able to like, dang, oh my goodness, look what happened. This is awesome. He's given you that situation for that reason. And so again, going back to... The title in this is we live to please the one we love the most. And he says, you want to please me? Take those situations that make no sense. Take those situations that you don't have the answers for, those situations, and just trust me. Seek me diligently, and I'm going to give you the faith to make it through. I'm going to give you the faith to believe when the answer comes. I'm going to, and then one day, I am going, the reward's going to be awesome. Because I'm going to come one day and I'm coming back and I'm going to say, and another believer, one of my children is Chris. And under a bridge when you you worked building bridges and stuff. And some guy did this and Chris did this. And this is what happened because I gave him the ability to do it. He's bragging on you because bragging on you brags on him. We can't miss that. I think we've lost that. I think that's one of the reasons we don't do these things is because we're afraid people will think, man, God wants to brag on you. One day he's going to, at the very end, and again, it's not pitting you against somebody else. Any glory that you get as a believer doing it his way goes to him. And we got to do the best we can with that now being that mirror instead of the magnifying glass, (laughs) you know, hey, what happens with a magnifying glass, dude, when you hold it up to the light? What if I had a magnifying glass, Terry, and there's the sun, and I hold it up right there? I'm going to burn a hole in my head, right? Yeah. And that's what happens when we try to take the glory and the pride. We, like, hold up a magnifying glass. Look at me. And the light comes in and burns a hole in our head. And everybody's like, yeah, what are we looking at? The smoke, you know, as opposed to a mirror where none of it gets through. It all just goes back to him. Man, that'll preach one day. One day in church, I'm going to preach that. All right. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now we get to uh, the the new passage. And we're going to start with the very last verse that we didn't go into a lot of detail with last week. And we started with the title of last week. Look past Look past your temporal trouble. Here's your trouble right here, this line that can trip you up. Look past it and rejoice in your eternal inheritance. Understand, heaven's already a done deal for you. Eternal life's a done deal for you. Man, perfection is a done deal. Isn't it hard to believe you're going to be perfect one day? Look at that person. No, I'm not going to say look at the person. How many of y'all find it hard to believe the person next to you is going to be perfect one day? Please don't raise your hand, but seriously, I mean, I find it hard to believe you're going to be perfect one day. Look past this little trouble you have now and rejoice in this eternal inheritance that that's what Peter is telling his people to do who are being severely persecuted because Nero burned the place down and then blamed it on him and they are all scattered everywhere. So look at this. Here's what he says in this. He said, in this you rejoice. What is this again? Going back to the previous verses your eternal inheritance. That's what he says. While you're in the midst of these problems, realize he's going to tell us some things to realize about our problems in a minute. But he said, dude, that's not, don't try to like say, oh, this feels good. Hit me again. Let me have another. That's not what it is. Rejoice in what's to come. And that if you handle this right, one day he's going to say, and yes, the 
this is my child. This is my child here, Kenneth. And, and while he was on a job and some guy, I let a guy be a total jerk to him. Has God ever done that to you? Yeah, and he, I let him be a total jerk and another guy be a jerk and another guy be a jerk, but I filled him with love and like a big juicy mango dude, he dripped my love and juice all over everyone there. He couldn't have done that without me, but Kenneth, I'm so proud of you that you did that. How many of y'all would love for God to stand up and do that? We were successful. Only because we were successful. Was there any pride in us over this? No. Dude, he used me. That's got you here to use you or would you rather say and kenneth who i let a bunch of people be a jerk and he was a jerk back let's go to the next guy is is which one would you rather be in heaven because we want to please the ones we love and when you get to heaven you will be in love with no one but him and you will wish you have done everything to please him not for your own pride but for his glory because when you truly see him and love him that's he's all you can love so in this you rejoice, your eternal inheritance. And this word rejoice, it reminds me of the word stoked. Okay, everybody say stoked. All right, so surfing is so awesome that the feeling, the high you get from it. Gary, have you ever seen in your, all your years guys lose marriages over surfing? Have you ever seen them lose jobs over surfing? Have you ever seen them lose everything over a wave? Yeah, and you're not there anymore, man. But what I'm saying is it's such a high, such a thrill, such an awesome feeling. They had to invent a whole nother word to, ex to, to, to describe the experience, the euphoria of surfing. And the word happens to be stoked. <laughs> That's the word. If you are stoked, don't use that word just kind of frivolously. It's ir irreverent, all right? If you're stoked, you're stoked, man. But if you're not, don't, don't like water down the word. And they had to create a new word to show how awesome, just something that couldn't be explained in a way. And this word rejoice in the Greek is, the, is like that. It's trying to describe the most awesome kind of rejoicing. In other words, this Greek word, you can't rejoice possibly any more than what this word is trying to say. And so he's saying, in this, your eternal inheritance, be stoked. Be blown away, so blown away, so enamored, so excited that this life means nothing and you want to invest everything in this life for the next life. Man, every situation God brings, one day you want to say, yes, and here's what Colleen did. She was going to put a shock collar on, no, on her kid, but she, no, I'm just messing with you. What goes on in small group, no, she really didn't do that, but that was one of her, she comes up with the most vivid illustrations in small group, but they're not really true, are they? No, I'm messing with you guys. But literally, here it is. I mean, that's what he wants to do. He wants to raise your hand and say, and they listened and they accepted my grace and my, and they did this. Destiny got 80,000 people through in 10 minutes in the Chick-fil-A drive-through. And they were not all very nice to her. <laughs> but I gave her grace and she was able to do it with a smile. <laughs> That's God. He wants to reward you for that. In this rejoice, and he says, though now for a little while, you're going to go through some trials, okay? But let's look at this. Though now. When is now? So you're right in the middle of it, dude. So he's saying, rejoice in your eternal inheritance now while you're in the middle of this trial. So many people are like, oh, dude, I'll be happy when this is over. I'll be happy when this changes. I'll be okay when I get this new thing or when this is over. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to rejoice when? Now. Not because it feels good. You're going to see that. But we're not rejoicing in this situation. We're rejoicing in the fact that it is only for a little while and that our home is in heaven. He said, though now for a little what? A little while. So what is the opposite of a little while? A long while. So a little while compared to what? Eternity. Yeah. Or compared, I mean, how many of y'all have been in something you thought was lasting forever and now you look back and say, yeah, it didn't really quite last forever. But in the middle of it did. During quarantine, dude, I had a quarter inch kidney stone at the top of my ureter. Not urethra, but my ureter. There's two different things there and I'll teach you about that later because I learned everything there was to learn about the system right here. A quarter inch kidney stone. 
And it was a little while, but dude, in the middle of it, it was eternal. <laughs> Anybody can identify with that? Labor pains, you know? I know they're not quite the same caliber as kidney stones, but no. Or a man cold, right? You know, now, you know I'm being facetious here, right? All right. But he says, now for a little while, who gets to choose how long your trial is, Terry? God. He knows when to rest you and he knows when to test you. He's been doing it a long time. He did it with Moses. He's done it with Abraham. He's done it with everyone. You can go to scripture and see everybody has had trials. And you see that he gets to choose how long those trials last. And we're going to talk about a little in a little bit of, of how he chooses all of that and some of the purposes for it. But understand that it's not going to last forever. How many of y'all get really discouraged and lose hope when you think there's no end in sight? You need to look at this and see that there's hope. At bare minimum, it's going to be over when you do what, Roger? When you die, it's over. And, and dude, there is nobody going to be complaining when they die if they have Christ. Nobody. But at bare minimum, it'll be over then. But how many of y'all been through some stuff that felt like it's going to be forever, but it didn't take till you died? Yeah. That's it. Just know he's in control. Who would you rather have in control? How about your next door neighbor that hates your guts? Would you, God say, hey, I want you to be in charge of how long this trial is going to be in their life. <laughs> would that make you feel better? How about even your spouse? It depends whether it's a good day or a bad day, right? How about, how about anybody, a human being, would you want, if you could pick any human being in the world, would you even want a human being choosing how long you were going to be in this trial? Who's the, old, who's the one you would always want to choose how long you're going to be in this trial? Him. Because he's perfect and he loves you. And what's the purpose again? He's given you an opportunity to do what? Please him. He's given you an opportunity to what? Please him. Yeah. It's his chosen season. And look what he says. So going back, uh, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved. By various trials, okay? So he says, if necessary. Who's the one who chooses if it's necessary or not? God, so if you're going through it, guess what? It is necessary. You're like, well, I don't think so. You know, if you could imagine yourself like this big, beautiful chunk of marble or granite, and he's trying to shape you into something. How many of y'all are artists or you ever make some? How many of y'all ever make things? Anybody make things? Kristen, you make things, right? How many of you ever made something and then you've looked at it and you're like, ooh, it needs just a little more? I got to tweak this. How many of you ever tweak things? Anybody ever tweak things? Yeah. Flower beds, whatever. That's what God's doing with you in the trial. He's tweaking you. Doesn't that sound way better than torture? Because <laughs> that's how we look at it. He's tweaking us. He's like, ooh, right now, I think if I put any more, I think that's going to crack off. So I'm only going to do... He's tweaking us. And he, when's he done tweaking us? When we die and go to heaven, and then that'll be the ultimate tweak. We will look and be exactly like him. Isn't that going to be awesome? Because tweaking hurts. Look at this. He said, so you're going to go through this trial if necessary, and it is. Because he loves you too much as his child to let you stay the way you are. You have so much potential to become more and more like him, and that's his purpose in it. If necessary, and it is, Peter's saying it's necessary. He said, you have been grieved. That's in the middle of this, and when you get the word grieved, what does that, just, what does that tell you about a trial? It's going to what? It's going to hurt. You know, we have this misconception in the Christian world that, all right, I'm Superman, I'm bulletproof, the trial's coming, bam, 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 bouncing off me, I don't feel anything, I'm not, how many of y'all ever tried to play Superman in a trial? This doesn't affect me, this isn't messing with me, I'm bigger than this, God's grace is good, but inside you're hurting. Anybody been there? That's not the purpose to be a Superman. You know, Karen, you know a lot about grief, right? That's kind of one of the things God's worked on you with. Grief hurts, but God wants to show that who's the only one who can even heal your grief? Him. Not alcohol, not drugs, not surfing, not shopping, not gluttony, or whatever drug you choose to quit and replace with some other kind of, some other kind of addiction. None of that can fix your grief, only him. That's why he lets it hurt. 
Part of it hurts is so he can say, dude, I can fix your hurts. Because if you know God can fix your hurts, the next time you get a hurt, what do you know? God can fix it. Did you get that? If you know God can fix your hurts, the next time you get a hurt, you know that God can what? Fix it. But if you've never let God fix a hurt, how are you going to fix your hurt? Same way you always fix your hurt. I'm going to go escape from it. I'm going to, I'm going to do this at least for a moment. I'm going, to, I'm going to be here where I don't have to think about it. But once you come back. Yeah, I'm not lying. I've gone surfing to escape hurts before lots of times. And, and then as soon as I go back in and start driving, there's the hurt again. We all try to escape when in reality, God says, yeah, you don't have to be Superman and bulletproof and act like it doesn't hurt because it does. And we got to understand another when someone's going through something, they hurt. And so what should you do when somebody's hurting? Pray for them. Ask God if he wants you to do something. Sometimes there's nothing you can do. Be there. Maybe be there and shut up. And if I'm ever there and I shut up, you know I really love you. Because <laughs> that's hard <laughs> for me. But literally, God wants to use you because we're all part of the body. Karen, what if, if I just slam down on that big toe, right? All five toes on that foot. What's going to hurt? Just your toes? Well, let's see. No, I'm just, yeah. No, if she gets her toes. Literally, I take, oh, Gary gave me some hatchets and I brought them, I put them in the car. I knew they would come in handy. If I were to hit your toes with those hatchets, what would hurt? Your whole body. How many of y'all would hurt for Karen? <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, dang. <laughs> I'm wearing shoes to church if I ever come back. <laughs> but still toe boots. But so he says we're a body. If one part hurts, the whole thing hurts is what he's saying in this. So understand when people are going through stuff, they're hurting. So if they're hurting, who else should be hurting? Yeah. And maybe God might use us to be an encouragement for them. He might. It's worth asking, isn't it? So he said, if necessary, you've been grieved. You're in the middle of it and it hurts. And look what he says, by various trials. This word various is the word we get variegated from. I have variegated philodendron growing wild, giant leaves growing up my trees. I have variegated ginger in my yard. I have variegated uh, crotons that I absolutely love. What does variegated mean? It means multicolored. How many of y'all ever had some multicolored trials? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not just the plain. I mean, sometimes we think, okay, I had this trial. Now I can do anything. Well, God's like, no, because I'm going to use different trials to shape different things. Different trials to shape different things. And so these trials come in all kinds of different colors. But you know what's awesome about that? Later, I think in chapter four or five of this book, we're going to get to a point where he says, my grace is variegated. My trials are variegated, but my grace is variegated. So with each particular color of trial, you're going to need that particular color of grace. And I'm the only one who can pick it out and I'm the only one who can give it to you. But we know it is what? We know that it's available. So where do we get it from again? Him. That's what Peter's trying to say. Dude, overlook these temporary trials, man, and rejoice in your internal inheritance, knowing that these trials are necessary. They're making you more like him. They're going to have less and less of an effect on you as you pass through these. You're going to now, a trial comes, you're like, oh, I've never had an aqua blue trial. And it's like, oh, but there must be some aqua blue grace. God, give me some aqua blue grace. Well, I've never had a, a vermilion trial. So, oh, God, give me some vermilion. But the fact is, you know, whatever color your trial, he's got some grace to match it. You guys know that it's not really a color. I'm using that as illustration, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what he's saying, man. Whatever trial you got, I've got a special grace for that. Just ask for it. And he says they are going to be trials. And that's just stuff we go through in everyday life. He's not talking about tribulation that's actually attacks necessarily. It's just in your everyday life, there's going to be stuff that he allows to make you more like him. So one day he can brag on you in front of all the other believers, not for your glory, but for whose glory? For his glory. And and really, if you kind of are like, you know, he raised your hand and saying, yeah, well, you know, there wasn't much to say. How much glory does he get? Again, it's not for you. 
the glories for him. Don't miss that. Live to give him glory. That's what it means. So here's a couple of things real quick about trials. So in, in this verse, there's, there's four parts in this verse 7. First thing is trial prove, trials prove my faith. You guys went fishing yesterday, right? And what pound test line did you use? Do you even know? Did you guys, huh? No idea, but did you use like, you think you used like micro, you used like two-pound test line. How do you know you didn't use two-pound test line? Because you caught fish that weighed way more than two pounds. It was, so would you say that the test line that you used catching those dolphin was adequate to catch those dolphin? How do you know? Because you, they're in the freezer. Yeah, you did it. It's proven. So if you were to go out again and something, oh, no, try this rod. And you look at it and it's a little Zebco 202 with, you know, 10 pound test line. And you've got the other ones. Which one are you going to use? The ones you used before. Because why? It's been proven. That's what he's trying to do with our faith. Look at this. He says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith. When you pass that test, when, when you get that variegated grace for that variegated trial, it's, and you've made it through, now it's been tested, and, and guess which, what you're going to reach for? You're going to reach for some, uh, something that the world gives you that's a fake, or you're going to reach for what got you through the next one. Hopefully, you're seeing life from God's perspective, and you reach for God because you know it's been proven. Your faith has been proven, and the world has not been proven. It's been proven to be inferior. And in fact, this word genuineness, he's talking about gold. And we talked about that in your wedding and any other wedding I've ever done. One of the things I do is I grab this uh, ring and I say, hey, this ring's made out of a precious metal, gold, whatever. And it wasn't this pretty when it came out of the ground. In fact, it was a chunk of dirt with gold in it and it had to be put through intense pressure and intense heat. And it wasn't to destroy the gold. It was there to get the impurities out. And in your marriage, there is going to be some intense pressure and intense heat, right? How many of y'all would testify to that? Yeah. And it's not there to destroy your marriage. It's there to make it more beautiful. So when that pressure and heat comes, you look down at your ring and you're like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Not what they're going to do, but what do you want me to do to make this marriage more beautiful? Because he's using pressure and heat to kind of get the impurities out. And that's what this means. This test, he's testing the gold. And what they're doing is, do you know they use cyanide and chlorine and all those to purify gold? Yeah, you think your test that God gives you. Aren't you glad he doesn't pour cyanide and chlorine on you? I mean, literally. So the, the illustration is sometimes God's got to put some intense pressure and heat on you to get the impurities out but it's to test your genuineness. This word genuineness, it means the tested residue. In other words, whatever is left. So whatever's left at the end of the trial, hopefully it's Christ. That's the tested revenue or residue. Pull <laughs> it at the pawn shop and then we'll buy faith. But <laughs> the tested genuineness of your faith, it's the te- when it's all set left. And man, I hope it's Christ. It's proving what's genuine and what's not of your faith. That's the only way we can please him again. So it proves your faith. It purifies your faith. Look at this. He says more precious. Now, I want you to think. About, I didn't think about this till God brought it up. More pre- who, is, who is saying this? Who wrote this book? What do you guys know about Peter? How would you describe Peter? Anyone? Speak up. Come on. Is he like a little, do you think Peter wore ballet slippers? Do you think he was, he was a pretty effeminate guy? No, Peter, dude, he was a bull in a china shop, dude. He was a big, nasty, brawling, uneducated fisherman that got full of the Holy Spirit, so his only education was from God and Jesus for three years. He even had Mark probably write his, his, his accounts for him. The Gospel of Mark, many think, is Peter's account in this. So Peter's a rough, tough guy. But can you imagine Peter, ah, oh, you know, grabbing fish and chunking fish and pulling in nets? And I mean, can you imagine rough, tough Peter all of a sudden going, oh, this is precious. <laughs> can you picture that? Oh, this is precious. <laughs> in order for rough, tough Peter to say something's precious, what does it have to be? Dude, it's got to be precious. So it's not like grandma who says, oh, you're precious, you're precious, this is precious. How many of y'all know somebody used the word precious? They're probably old, right? 
oh, this is precious. You know, you expect to hear that out of them. You do not expect to hear the word precious out of Peter. <laughs> For him to say something's precious, it's got to be what? Precious. He's got no other word. And Peter's like, your salvation, the faith that comes from your salvation, it is what? It's precious, man. <laughs> I, how many of you are least likely uh, to say the word precious? Can I see your hand if you are not a precious speaking person? Yeah. So, yeah. So today, just freak people out and say, oh, this is precious. <laughs> I'm just saying, dude, that's what here for Peter to say is precious, not just some like term he uses. It must really be precious. And he's talking about your faith, your salvation. He said, your faith and salvation is more precious than gold. <coughs> he says, that, pre that perishes, though it is tested by fire. So they, they test gold and they, they purify it to make it really precious. But in the end, in the end, when the world's over, what happens to gold? He said, it perishes, it's gone. It's gone. Do you understand what is the asphalt of heaven? Gold. Dig that? We go here to this asphalt, right? We don't think, oh, this asphalt is precious, <laughs> right? How many of y'all said the asphalt's precious? Especially after you fall off your skateboard, right? And you get road rash. Oh, this asphalt's precious, right? No. But do you understand what we, we think is precious? That, that's the asphalt of heaven. He said, your faith, your salvation is worth more than all the gold in the world. Because we were not bought with world's gold. What were we bought with? The blood of Christ, dude. Could anything be more precious? So here you go. I just want you to say this. And some of you aren't going to be able to even say this with a straight face. I'll, I'll do it slow. Everybody put your thumbs up. And say, I am precious. <laughs> oh, you couldn't even do it, could you, Chris? He's like, I am right here. I can't even. Right. I am precious. And what makes you precious? That cool beard you grow? You know, the color here or the fact you got hair? You know, your six-pack or the covering you got on your six-pack? I'm just saying. You know that's what this is, is padding on a six-pack, right? That's what happens later in life. But literally, what makes you precious? The blood of Christ, man. The blood of Christ. And that's what he's saying. So... Man, he said it. So next thing in the last thing he says in here, trials give me an opportunity to please the one who gives me faith. So he's going to go into more detail about this next week. I decided only we had a pretty marathon service last week and it wasn't by design. I believe the Holy Spirit led all of that. And part of it was because I think Tom was here and he knew there were barrels and and again, one day God is going to say, Tom, and Tom, he chose to go to church and honor me instead of surfing perfect barrels all day with his buddies. How hard was that? I, I'm gonna, don't lie, dude. It's hard, wasn't it? I saw you. Ashley told me. She said, yeah, you know, Tom, sometimes. But he actually, his hands, he was worshiping. And I'm like, that's because he wanted to be serving. He was worshiping God. It was hard. And I'm not just picking on you, dude. I'm just like, literally, I know. But those decisions we make are the things where he's going to say, and you chose to live a lifestyle this way instead of this way. Trials give me an opportunity to please the one who gives me faith. Coming to church last week, and I, again, I'm not picking on him because we all have our things, but dude, was that a trial? Yeah, it was. It was when I pulled in and Tom Knowles goes, got your board? I'm like, no, he got my car. I stuck a branch through it, you know, and, and, and then I'm looking at the way and like, ah, you know, after no crowds, no nuts. I mean, it would have been awesome. Trials, but handled the right way for his glory give you an opportunity to please the one who gives you faith. We please the ones we love. Man, that who we want to please is the one we love the most. Look at this last part of this verse. He said that it may be found to result. All right, so your faith being tested and tried may be found to result in what? In praise and, okay, praise and glory and honor praise and glory and honor 
your decisions you make for Christ are going to result in praise and honor and glory ultimately to him. And they're going to be done at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When he comes back to reveal himself to the entire world, he's bringing you with him. And that's what it's going to be as a praise session. Look what I gave this person the desire and ability to do, and look what they did. Look what I gave this person the desire and ability to do, and look what they did. You never knew Amazon was going to result that way, right? I'm just saying, guys, every situation you're in, that's what it's about. And next week, you'll see, in fact, I'm going to show you in the New Living Translation, I've got it, the whole thing there, what it's talking about is that this praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ is for us. He praises and gives us glory and honor where we have given him praise and honor and glory. So he gives us praise and honor and glory where we've given him praise, honor, and glory. And for nothing else. Let me ask you a question. Is that going to be... Jordan, when God lifts your arm up and says, and she had a bunch of little... Rugrats in her class that were, and she loved them. I gave her the ability to love them, and people couldn't see. When he raises your hand and says, You brought me joy and honor and glory, and you brought me praise, so I want to give that. Are you going to be frowning and saying, Oh, no, oh, no, Jesus, no, 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 not me, you know? No, no, you're not. You're going to be like, Yes, I have pleased the one that I love the most. And I think if we can, because that's, that's kind of our Christian mentality and how we've been trained. It's like, oh, no, no, no. I got to kind of hide from, and again, it is. It's between you and him. It's not us comparing and saying, oh, I'm better than that teacher, that heathen godless teacher, you know. It's none of that stuff. What it is, is, is us realizing that, that one day, is that not going to be awesome? Do you know kids gravitate to the ones who praise them? Kids gravitate to the ones who praise them. If you're always yelling at your kids, or if you're encouraging them, who are they going to come to? They're going to gravitate to the ones that praise them. And, and, and we like being praised because it's built in us. But in the carnal sense, that's pride. But in the spiritual sense, that's glory and honor for him. Not that we're supposed to be being praised by each other. Oh, Karen, oh, John, you know. You know that, that's, that's not what we're talking about. We're living so that one day he will be proud. One day he will pray this. One day he will say, man, well done. Is there anybody here that doesn't want Jesus to say that to them? I mean, how many of y'all want to hear those words from your Savior? Dude, from the time I left you here to the time I picked you up, when you checked out Fred Flintstone style, you know, from Mr. Slate, and you came home, man, he's like... Well done. So again, we got to figure that out because it's going to change the way we make decisions. It's going to figure out, it's going to change the way we live. Man, that they may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen, um, I want to share these verses real super quick and I want to read them all together of what we preached last week and this week um, out of the New Living Translation because it's an accurate translation it's just that it just kind of flows really easy, and you can kind of understand what Peter's kind of saying here. He said, man, all oh, praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And why do we praise him? He said, it is by his great mercy, him not giving you what you deserve, that's what mercy is, that we have all been born again, and we know it's because of his grace that we're born again. He gave you the answers to the test. He gave you the desire and ability to surrender yourself to him. He said, man, it's by his great mercy we've been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Your changed life is proof that there's a living God living inside of you. He said, now we live with great, what? Expectation. Now is the expectation that, boy, when I wake up tomorrow, hopefully this trial's gone. Is that our expectation? No, the expectation that we're living for is that one day he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And by the way, do you understand that good and faithful are two things everybody can be? What if he said, well done, calculus genius? How many of y'all are out of luck right now? <laughs> you know, well done, master craftsman. How many of y'all are like, yeah, you know, well done, beautiful artist. Well done, awesome athlete. What if those were the qualifications? But you know what he said? Good 
and faithful. Terry, who can be good? Anyone. Who can be faithful? Anyone who trusts him. He said, man, that's what our expectation is. But look at the next part. So all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his great mercy we've been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. And now we live with a great expectation. And we have a, like we talked last week, a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept and protected in heaven for us. It is pure. It's undefiled. It's going to stay that way. Nobody can mess it up. It is beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith that God gave you, God is protecting you by his power until you receive all there is to receive in this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Everyone is going to see. Every believer is going to be brought up to the world. He's going to say, these are mine. This is mine. These are my folks. And here's what they've done because what I've done for them. And here's what they've done. So he says, be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith's genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise. It will bring you much praise and glory and honor. That's the way the Greek reads. It will bring you much praise, glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Because when you get glory, for uh, it praise, glory, and honor for what you've done for Christ, who ultimately gets the praise, honor, and glory? He does. So you have a choice. On that day, you can do nothing. You can take the, little, take the investment that he's given you and hang on to it. And at the end, say, well, I was kind of scared. I didn't want to mess it up and didn't want to lose it. I didn't want to, here's what you gave me, so I didn't do anything with it. Or you can just go and invest your life in it, dude. And let him one day say, well done, good and faithful servant. It's going to be revealed to the world, not for your glory, but for his. You were part of him. You made your daddy proud in that. So live to please the one you love the most. And I think if you look at who you please the most, you'll find out who you love the most. The world system is, I got to love me, because if I don't love me, I got nothing to give everybody else. So we spend all this time trying to love us and figure us out. I, I got to love me so, so that I'll have some to give to other people. But you know what? When you love yourself first, other people don't get much unless they got a purpose in your life. And then if you got any left over, you might be trying to tap into God and get some from him. But as we learn from James and we're going to learn from Peter, he said, no, my system is this. You love God. You love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. I'm going to cause you to do what? Love others. You got no choice, man. You're going to fall in love with others. And when you love God and he causes you to love others, hey, how's that make you feel? Face right now, you're like, oh, yes. He, yeah, he causes it. It makes you, there's a residual that is way better than ever starting with loving yourself first. So love him. And it happens. It all goes from there. Live to please the one you love the most. Let's pray. Father, um, thank you for these words. I, I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit has taken them and has touched each of us in the way we need to be touched, Father. I pray that this would be a standard that I would look at when I look in the mirror, when I even think about myself of who am I trying to please? Is it me? Is it somebody else? I pray, Father, that it would be you. Because I know that when... My life is dedicated to you. I know that others will be loved and I will receive great benefits. Help me not get that backwards. Help all of us, none of us to get that backwards. But Father, um, I pray that we would live our life in such a way that we would realize every situation coming into our life, the tougher it is, the tougher the grace will come. And Father, that it'll be a grace that will match the trial and that when it's all done, you will get all the praise and honor and glory. Father, I want nothing more than for you to look back at this life from the time I've been born again to the time you bring me home and be pleased with that. I know because of the blood of Christ, you are pleased positionally with me. I know that I am perfect in that sense. 
but you have left me here in a process called sanctification to grow more in love with you. Father, I pray that as the master sculptor on this just rough chunk of rock, which has described all of us, you would continue with the chisel and the hammer, no matter how painful, and you would chisel away at us until we look like you. And we would not be upset by the chiseling. We would not get discouraged and depressed by the chiseling, but instead, Father, we would be encouraged knowing that you love us too much to leave us the way we are. And knowing that one day it is going to be awesome when you stand up and you remind us of all the things you gave us the desire and ability to do and we actually believed you and did it. I don't know if there's going to be tears or sadness when we realize all the missed opportunities. I really don't know how that works because you tell us it's the Bama seat. It's just going to be reward and the reward is what we give back to you. And Father, you've given us so much and when we see Christ face to face, we'll even understand that better. So help us sell out Help us, help us to see life from your perspective and realize that these impossible situations are opportunities to please you. Give us the faith. Help us wait for the faith. Help us use the faith that we need every day. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.